You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, I, uh, I'm i very, very disappointed that we didn't get a meet up this last weekend. Yeah, that's that's life, man. The weather was crazy. It's warming up now, but we had that dumb front from Siberia that came pushing through, so we got to blame the Russians for something else. <laughs> And yeah, your your wife and your kid got sick as well. So glad you. And now I'm sick. So and, and they got you uh, sick. Yep. Yeah, so. it's been a, a crazy few days here, but I'm glad that we're able to to get together to do this show once again because this is always one of my favorite times of the week. Yeah, and I will say the game was disappointing. Obviously, the, the Hawkeyes found have found new ways to lose every single time they've lost this season. It's not the same thing. It's always something new, and the weather was very cold. So. Maybe maybe the best. It still would have been good to meet you. We'll try to do it next year, probably after the wedding, though. I'm going to be a little bit busy before that. Yeah, I, I kind of figured so. Yeah. Now, I saw a stat. I think they said the Iowa Hawkeyes are 2-6 and six in one-score games. They're just not clutch. They just have not been clutch for the last couple seasons. So we'll see. I'm just ready for them to ride it out, and hopefully they can – Hopefully they beat Nebraska. Honestly, that's the that's the biggest thing left on the season. They got to beat Nebraska. <laughs> you would never hear the end of it from Cam if they lost. Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, Nebraska got some good people, but I would consider that rival number one for the Iowa Hawkeyes. So this season, they're not going to go to the Big Ten West. You know, they've lost three in a row. Now it's time to, you know, put the foot down on Scott Frost and all that hype and at least close it out in a, in a positive note. But yeah. anyway... Back to the Broncos. College football is great. We got to talk some Broncos as the bye week is officially over. That is right. And we want to let you know that the Building the Broncos podcast is focused on all things pertaining to your Denver Broncos, especially as it relates to the NFL draft and team building. With Nick and myself being armchair GMs, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week and every single episode from scouting the enemy, player value, scheme and personnel fits, and of course, a little general football related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Demler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod and make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of 24-7 Sports and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know your listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without your listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time to go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe and let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Now, before we get going, we first want to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Well, it's uh, it's good to have another Sunday that's going to have the Broncos. Bye weeks, I don't know. What are your thoughts on them? Are you a big fan of them? Big, don't like them as a, as a fan? What, what do you think on them? Bye weeks are great. I wish that if they, there's a lot of talk of expanding the schedule, 
if they're going to do that, they need to add another bye week. Kind of gives you a refresh, and you can watch football games. Like one thing that's annoying is that you know the Broncos are on just last uh, two weeks ago when they played. We get stuck watching the Broncos and Texans. Quote stuck. You know, I'm going to watch the Broncos no matter what. But then on the other channel, you know, you're the other game that's on. You get the Saints versus the Rams, which is a barn burner and looks extra fun. So I can watch football without any real favoritism going on. So that's that's a good thing. And also letting the players get away and everything, I think, is always a, a good idea as well. I mean, they it's a pretty tough and grueling job. They're getting paid millions of dollars. So I don't feel bad for them, but I think the bye week is good for everyone involved. Right. And it, it was nice to hear some players back. Uh, I know, I think uh, – there's only maybe two Bronco players that did not practice today. Mm. Something like that. So finally getting healthy a little bit again for the final stretch of the season. But let's talk about just the the overall roster so far this year. And we always do a stock up, stock down. Let's talk about stock up for the entire season. Who are some guys that have just really, really took their their game to that next level for you? Yeah, for me this season, the guys that I've been impressed with, number one that I have listed that automatically came to my mind is Adam Gatsis. He has been improving each and every week this season, and I'm, I think he needs to start getting more snaps. He's not a great penetrator yet as far as a pass rusher, but he's been doing great as a run defender and improving week after week. I did my Bradley Chubb film piece this last week on him, and... Well, let's say Adam Gotsis was a guy that honestly started caught my eye more than Chubb did, even though Chubb had the stats. So he's doing the dirty work, and he's really – I think he's arguably the best defensive lineman we have right now on the Broncos. Uh, my second guy is Jeff Hireman. Way to break out on your contract season, Jeff. You know, he's a guy who's battled some injuries. There's been some questions about his desire for football, his ability to play tough over the middle, which is needed for a tight end. But he's been playing really good this year, and I'm hoping they can find a way to bring him back and he can stay healthy. But I've been impressed with him. And finally, Derek Wolf, guy who's been kind of downward trending the past few seasons, you know, injuries, whatnot. The play around him, not as good. But this year, I think he's been playing very good football. And I see people talking about wanting to get rid of him, and I just don't get it. When I'm watching Wolf, he's been really good on the defensive line as well. Honestly, the Broncos' defensive line is making this defense tick because there's not that much talent in the linebacking core and the secondary, at least star talent, outside of Chris Harris Jr. So this defensive line is making it tick, and Gotsis and Wolf are the two that I think are really the drivers of that, obviously, with the the edge rushers. There you go. I like that list. Well, I, I went with a couple rookies that I think have outplayed what most people thought they'd be doing as rookies, and then, of course, a veteran. But Bradley Chubb, he is on t- on pace to break the the rookie record for sacks in a season. And pressures-wise, I mean, he's having a better rookie season than what Von Miller brought to the table. That, that's that's saying something. Now, I know it, it helps when you have Von Miller taking double teams on the other side. He's had a lot of one-on-one opportunities. But this is what the Broncos wanted from him. This is why they brought him in, that somebody could take advantage of having Von Miller on the other side. So very impressed with what he's done as a rookie and very excited for his future of what he brings to the Broncos. And then I have Philip Lindsay. And and I, I put this one in here mostly for you, just to give you a chance to go on your soapbox of why running back is not worth taking early in the draft. And and I mean, I, I know you've you and I have talked about this quite a bit, but you look at the stats that he's put up, and he is right there with top three rookie running backs in the NFL right now. He's probably top 10 running backs in the NFL and and he's an undrafted guy. And it's just very, very impressive what this guy's brought to the table. He's got that long speed. He's got quickness. He's got just an aggressive style of running that you just don't see from little guys like him. He has great vision. 
I mean, he's missed a few holes, but that's expected from a rookie. But for the most part, I thought he's done really well and just very, very impressed with him. And then, of course, Emmanuel Sanders. He talked about Derek Wolf kind of being down the last couple of years. It's kind of been the same with Emmanuel Sanders. Now, some of that's been injuries. Some of that's just been quarterback play has not been able to take advantage of what he does on the field. But it's just really nice to see this guy just taking his game back to another level and and being that star player at the wide receiver position. And I know as much as as many want to to point to some of the younger wide receivers being why we could get rid of DT, I think some of it also is Sanders has proven to be the number one guy. Uh, DT had fallen pretty down, far down on the list of wide receivers that I think were making an impact this season. And, and Sanders has really stepped into that role that DT has hold, held for, well, since he pretty much got to the Broncos, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, he's been a very good complimentary piece uh, to DT. They've been, you know, yin and yang, they've go very well, but he's wide receiver one right now. And it, that's going to remain that way probably next season as well. Yeah, I can't see them getting rid of him. It's kind of like Wolf. Some are saying Sanders because we got some of these young guys. I say Broncos have a lot of cap space to work with, and they're going to have some more when they get rid of a couple guys. And and so why make your team even more weak? Keep these guys around, have some some weapons, and especially like you said, I mean, defensive line-wise, if you can add another piece to that group, that rotation just becomes that much stronger. And it, it just becomes a... a a very, very big strength of the team instead of trying to replace Wolf with a rookie and hoping that they're going to perform at a high level. But let's look at the other side of things, the, the stock down guys, the, the guys that have just really, you had either maybe some high hopes for or just have way underperformed of what you thought they would do this year. Well, for me, number one is Justin Simmons. I've been very disappointed with him. I thought he was a budding potential stud slash star on this team. And man, he's playing as bad as he did his rookie season, his sophomore year. So you know, a lot of people talk about a sophomore slump. He's having a junior slump, unfortunately, and the team really needs him to step up back there, and that just hasn't been the case. He honestly looks timid in his tackling. You know, coming downhill, he's just not seeing the game very quickly, and he's a good athlete and everything, but right now it's just not connecting on the field. So he's been a stock-down guy for me. I had him penciled in him as a starting safety for the Broncos for a bit, given the trajectory, and thought he'd be doing better this season than last year, but... You know, development is not linear. That's something that we need to pound. You know, just because a guy made some progress last year doesn't mean he's going to improve as much or at all the next season. So Justin Simmons has regressed. He's been a guy who's been stocked down for me. Case Keenum as well. You know, I wasn't super huge on the signing when they took him just because I thought he was going to be a limited player, but he's failed to live up to the contract so far. You know, there's a lot of issues around him. Play calling hasn't been to his strengths. The offensive line, as far as pass blocking, is probably – it's not with the 10 worst pass blocking offensive lines in the league. At least it wasn't when Paradis and Leary were healthy. It might be now, but Case Keenum still, you're paying him big money and he's a bottom 10 starting quarterback in the NFL and probably a bottom five starting quarterback in the NFL. When you consider situations, you know, obviously you got guys like Rosen and Darnold and some of those younger guys who are playing not great football right now, but at least they have some potential going forward. You know, Keenum's what is he 31 years old, something like that. You know, it's, He's, he doesn't really have that trajectory going forward, that, right. that upside. So that's a big thing for me. So stock down there. And then also stock down Brandon Marshall. He has been – he is just looking slower to the ball, and he's just getting eaten alive by blockers. So I'll be shocked if he's here next season with his his big contract and his play this season. So Simmons, Keenum, and Marshall are my stock down players. Very nice list. I, I went with another guy that I don't think is going to be here next year, Darian Stewart. 
I know he's been injured, banged up, and but he's just he's lost such a step. It, it's like that Super Bowl season. Here's this guy that's just surprising everybody, playing at this great level, really outplaying his contract. Then he gets the big contract, and his game just fell off a cliff. And just very much disappointed in what I've seen from him. He was one of those guys that I thought could actually line up with some of the top tight ends for a little while. And I mean, he, he made Gronk fear going over the middle and he's just not been that guy since, since these injuries and everything else. And then Bradley Roby, I mean, what's there to say? This guy was supposed to step in, be that new starter, be that next young cornerback for the Broncos. I was going to step into the role and get that big contract from the Broncos. And I'm not sure he's here next year. I mean, the, the only reason that I could see the Broncos maybe signing him is because the cornerback market's not that great and they're worried about the draft and not being able to find anybody. And so they end up paying him. That's about the only reason I could see him still being with the Broncos. And then Garrett Bowles. I mean, this is a pretty easy one. Uh, you, you thought maybe this year he'd take that next step for the Broncos. And obviously that's just not been the case. And I mean, he's a great run blocker. I think people dog on him a little bit more than what his game has actually shown on film, but he's still doing things that he was doing his rookie year. He's still making a lot of the same mistakes. You, you don't see that growth like you were talking about with Justin Simmons. You're, you're not seeing that, that, that leap that you were hoping for him to take. And I, I'm kind of guessing actually the second half of this season, he's playing for his job. I mean, it, it might be where they can't find another left tackle that maybe he stays there, but for the most part, I mean, I, I could see the Broncos really looking to replace him if he can't take his game to another level. Yeah, he's been somebody. Honestly, like, I feel like they'll probably give him one more season. They might move him to right tackle. We'll see what happens, you know, guard or something. But I feel like most likely, given the market and the need for tackle in the league, I think they probably give him one more season. But he is struggling, and he's been he's been better the last couple of weeks. Let's be real, but. Still not at the level that you want as far as consistency, especially when it comes to pass blocking. So we will see. And then Brandon Thorne, if you listened last week, his the concerns about some work ethic, that definitely raised a red flag as well. So, yeah, yeah it's unfortunate. You got two f- pretty recent first-round picks on this list for stock down, and that's that's not what you want to see. Right. All right, well, moving on here, we got another new section because of the bye week, and we're changing up the format a little bit due to that. But we have things that we want to see more in the second half. And for me, this Broncos team, you know, you're not going to win football games putting the ball in Case Keenum's hands. That's just not how they're built. He's not a, an overall talented enough quarterback to do that where you build you have to build a system around him rather than let him be the system. You know, Peyton Manning no matter where he went, he is the system. I would even argue, I mean, obviously Sean Payton's doing great, but he Drew Brees, that's a guy who is the system. You can make the system because of how talented he is. That's not the case with Case Keenum. He's a very limited quarterback and they're not really playing his strengths right now. But what they need to do is just really commit to this run game. And the Broncos are a team that I know they've been getting behind a little bit, but I think they need to be a team that kind of bucks the trend here, go with more two tight end sets, more Andy Janovich, and have that run percentage higher than the pass percentage. Right now, I believe the only team that has that is the Houston Texans. And you know why they're doing that? To protect protect the quarterback and focus on an offensive line that's better at run blocking than pass blocking. And you know what? That's exactly what the Broncos, they don't have that young quarterback they got to protect, but that's still a big thing. And then with that can hopefully lead to more play action, play action and shots down the field. They have been an explosive offense. Granted, some of that is because they're taking those shots more frequently, you know, the longer drawing pass plays, but still, I think they need to run at a higher volume than pass. And I'd like to see that even if they're behind, you know, that's, that's a dominance. I got two good running backs. 
and they have had a decent run blocking offensive line. We'll see how that changes with now Leary and Paradis out for the season, but I'd like to see their run percentage higher than the pass percentage. And then finally, for me, we need to see more youths out there. Those dang youths, you know, like you got guys like Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, and more so on the defense, but Josie Jewell, Demarcus Walker, who, you know, I can go on a tangent about that, but Demarcus Walker needs to play more. Um, DeMonte Thomas, you know, you got Isaac Adam, Brandon Langley could be called up. They just, they really need to evaluate these guys, get them experience, tape out there, so that way they can have an idea of how they need to improve going forward. And, you know, if it's not so much about the wins and losses at this point, although, you know, you still have this coaching staff there, so it is for some of them, but it shouldn't be for the Broncos as an organization. It needs to be about evaluating the young talents, seeing what they have there, and giving those young talents a chance to improve and tape to, you know, view back and see like, oh, this is what I need to do better going into OTAs next season. So run higher percentage than pass percentage and more youths playing on Sundays. There you go. Mine's a, some of them are a little bit tied in. Um, answer some questions on some guys that you might be wanting to re-sign. Jeff Hireman, I would get Gottis on the field a little bit more, get him some pass sets just to see if he can develop his, his pass rushing ability because they, they do take him out a lot of times when they go to their nickel package. And I'd like to see him get a chance to stay in there and see what he can do. But some of those guys that are coming up for those contracts, get them on the field, see what they bring to the table. Uh, Sua Cravens, is he worth bringing back? You already talked about Demarcus Walker. Is he a guy that's worth bringing back? All these kind of guys that you need some answers because they they do have contracts coming up and the Broncos need to figure out who they're going to sign and and who's going to go. Connor McGovern, he's another one. He's I I heard he's going to get to start at center this, this week. And maybe, maybe that makes Paradis expendable. I, I hate saying that because I really do like Paradis. And he has been the one stalwart on that, de- that offensive line that has performed year in, year out, even with players around him doing terrible. But if Connor McGovern shows up and is a great center, maybe that makes it a little easier to move on and, and look more for a guard than a center in, in the draft. But also I want to see some more creative play calling. You already talked about that we haven't been playing to Case Keenum's uh, strengths. Let's get these weapons involved. Let's see what they can do. I mean, I'm going to talk about it a little bit when we're talking about the Chargers. But I love how they get their running backs involved a lot more in the pass game. I love how they really mix up their formations and what they're trying to bring on the field. I mean, they'll bring the fullback on with TJ Watt. They'll go four wide. They'll they'll just mix so many things up and, and make defenses have to defend a lot of different things. And I just really want to see that from the Broncos here in the second half, because you have a lot of unique weapons. Like you said, you can go two tight in and see what you can do with some of that. You can go three wide, four wide, you can bring in the fullback. And, and I, I would love to see some, some more calls of fullback catching the pass. I mean, that was one of our best plays this year was, was Andy Janovich down the sideline. Should have been a touchdown if if Case Keenum had actually hit him in stride instead of throwing it to the inside back towards the safety. But there's just some things that I'd like to see them try to do to see what these different playmakers can do on the field. Play to their strengths. Play to what they can do on the field. I I just haven't seen that as much this year. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. The the play calling, I feel like also at times they've been too creative not too creative but they're just like creative at the wrong times like the ugly flea flick flicker when they wasn't necessary and that reverse against the chiefs when they've been running well between the tackles i mean it needs to be intelligently creative if that makes yeah, sense well, 
I, I guess that, that Emmanuel Sanders one, they had done that play a lot. When I'm talking creativity, like I, I want to see some things that, that you haven't done all year. They, they've tried that Sanders play and it's worked a few times, but they've just gone back to it a few too many times. There was a play in the last Chargers game that I, it, it didn't work. But when I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, that was so close to being a big play. And they did a, a wide receiver sweep, but it was with an option play. Did you see that one? Yes. I, yeah, I do remember that one. Okay. Well, the, the wide receiver messed it up and it ended up not working. I think it went for no gain. But I mean, it was one of those, like when it happened, I'm like, oh, what is going on here? And it just, it was set up to be something special and they just didn't, didn't execute. But it's things like that, that the Broncos just aren't doing. They're kind of doing the same things over and over and over again. And their one creative play is the, the jet sweep with Manuel Sanders. Well, again, if that's your only creative play, teams are going to go, well, that's all we got to defend. Yep. I can't disagree, but it, it's a lot of fun to watch those plays happen. And sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard me talking about it for weeks now, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little but win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600 cash. There's so much to bet on. Hockey, basketball, primetime fights, and even esports. My bookie is one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. My bookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use, which is big for me as a millennial. If you're on the sidelines, now is the time to get in the game. My bookie will still match your first dollar deposit, dollar for dollar, but you got to join now because they'll be pulling that offer soon. Log on to my bookie right now and double your money. Use promo code Broncos100, and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code Broncos100. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, Carl. Well, we are going to move on now to the week. Is it week 11 already? Gosh, the season is flying by when you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it does not fly by when you suck. I, did you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, or did you ever enjoy that? I, I haven't watched too many of it, but uh, oh, I've enjoyed okay. the ones I've seen. Okay, I did that thread today. I feel like that comedy is the only way to get through it. But <laughs> this is, you know, that's, it stinks. You know, a lot of the three and six is not great and there's a lot of questions going forward but you know what we press on and you know looking back it's not surprising this team is struggling with all things considered i thought they were more of a 500 team but going back to preseason making predictions do you remember what team i predicted to win the afc west did you say the chargers i said the los angeles chargers i did not think patrick mahomes would be this good this soon and i thought the chiefs defense was going to struggle and the chiefs defense is not great Although they have been getting after the passer, granted, when you're up a lot, you can just pin your ears back. You know, that's part of it. But yeah, I picked the Chargers, and I feel like people are sleeping on the Chargers right now. Like, out of any team in the AFC outside the Chiefs, I think the Chargers are the, the best, next best team. At least, you know, you got the Pittsburghs playing really good ball right now. I'm not taking anybody in the AFC South. AFC East, Patriots are looking old. Tom Brady's like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL when pressured and under a blitz. So right now, Chargers are a dangerous team and the Broncos have not played them once. And I don't know if you remember what happened last year when the Broncos went to San Diego, but man, it got ugly quick. They had a special teams touchdown and the Broncos just looked absolutely horrible. And I think it was at that point I was the most upset with Trevor Simeon and this team just because it was garbage. But again, preseason, I had the Chargers winning the AFC West and a legit dark horse for contending in the Super Bowl. I know people say that every single year because injuries happen to the Chargers, and you know that's the case again this season, surprisingly. But they're playing good football right now, only two losses on the season, and playing his best football statistically of his entire career. 
is Philip Rivers. And I got to ask you, Carl, what's your take on Philip Rivers? Now, both as a player and just as a person. So as a player, I think he's been one of the more underrated quarterbacks in NFL history. Uh, he he kind of reminds me a little bit of not, not to like quite the level of Dan Marino. I mean, Dan Marino was, I think, one of the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. But just one of those guys that he kind of wills his team to to a lot of close victories and and I'm trying to figure out because he, he's had a lot of bad losses too, but he's had a lot of things that have gone against him, especially in the playoffs where like his, his star running back LT got hurt uh, during one of their games. And all of a sudden you lose your, your number one offensive weapon. He's had injuries, things like that. But I've just seen this guy just year in year out, just put up very, very good stats. I think he only had like two years where he was just really, really bad, but uh, I, he's the ultimate competitor. And I guess I've grown to respect him more. I hated him so much when we had Jay Cutler and those two were yelling across the the field at each other. And I mean, I, I, there's still times where he whines on the field and still one of my favorite things is to watch the video of, is it Robert Ayers? That was Robert Ayers. I think it was in the playoffs too. Do what? I think it was in the playoffs as well. Was that in the playoffs? Okay. It yeah. just, that, that cracked me up so much, but for ultimate competitor guy that just year in, year out is professional uh, I'm very, very, I, I respect Philip Rivers as a person. I definitely think he could whine a lot less, but it seems like he's a good guy. Never been in trouble, done a lot for his community, really did not want to move to LA because he loves San Diego and just love that community. One of the few guys that has really kept fans engaged with the chargers through all the good and bad years that they've had. So I, I I'm very impressed. It doesn't shock me that he's having this kind of season because it's just people continue to underestimate what he brings to the field. I, I saw something, it was like top five MVP players right now, but they had Aaron Rodgers on there as the top five MVP quarterback or MVP player so far this year. And I, I would rather have Rivers on that list. I, I really would with the kind of season that he's had. If I'm being objective and not hating on the Chargers, I think Rivers has had a better year than Aaron Rodgers. I feel like you're voting for the name over the tape at that point, which right. a lot of people do. I mean, how many people are tuning in to watch the Chargers? I, I watched a couple of their games this week, just to actually three of their games to get an idea for it. I've watched them obviously, you know, sparingly, but going to the all 22, it kind of changes it. But yeah, no, Rivers is playing at a great level to me. I've said this before on this podcast, won't be the last time I say it either, but one of my favorite movies is Anchorman. And there's that scene at the very end where, you know, Ron Burgundy is in the, the bear pit and he's coming up that ladder and, West Mantooth holds that ladder and he's like, he's like acting like he's going to throw him in the bear pit, you know, toss the ladder over. And he's like, Ron Burgundy, I hate you with every fiber in my body, but God damn it. I respect you. Then kisses his head. I feel like that's where I'm at with Philip rivers in my point in my life, because yep. he's been so good for so long and he's doing good things and his teammates love him. But also as Chris Harris just said, this just came out on Twitter. Why do people hate Philip rivers so much? It's because he whines a lot on the sidelines and yeah, he, he is a whiner. I mean, he's out there barking, you know, looks kind of pissy. I don't know. I'm not allowed to say on the podcast, bleep it out. If I can't, sorry. Yeah. You know, it's not on the radio, so I can probably cuss, but <laughs> yeah, I, I can get that. But at the same time, I mean, it's really, it's hard for me to not, also like the guy, and if he played for, let's say, the Arizona Cardinals, I'd be a big Philip Rivers fan. It's just yep. because he's in the division. So he's playing great football right now. He's humming this machine along. And honestly, though, I don't think he – he is playing MVP level, but I don't think he's the MVP of the team. He's not what makes this team click. 
honestly, I would say that the guy that makes this team click right now, it's kind of like how the Chargers are playing, where they have the great quarterback who can spread it around with the weapons and everything like that, and they got some stuff on defense going. But this offense runs through Melvin Gordon. And I have been very impressed with this play this season. Honestly, probably the... I, th- I would say he's the third best running back in football right now. I would only have Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott above him. Gordon is just playing at a super high level. And the thing that makes him so dangerous is that he, there's a lot of questions about his ability as a receiver coming in. And man, he has, he, he is so dynamic now as a receiving thread. He can run routes and that yak ability is, is dangerous. We'll get to that in a little bit. Also, you got to call out Austin Eckler as well. A Colorado native playing very well. There is that second running back also a really good receiver, but man, I've been, I could not be more impressed with Melvin Gordon this season, and he's playing at an incredibly high level. Yeah, I I was reading a stat earlier today. Over 30%, I think it's like 32% of Phillip Rivers' completions this year have gone to running backs. So that that is a very, very big part of their game, Melvin Gordon especially, and his ability to break tackles. I mean, he, he's definitely taken his game to another level. Before this year, I, I thought he struggled a lot more to run between the tackles. He just got lost in the pile and always seemed to go down. He was kind of a either a big play or nothing kind of guy. Where this year I'm seeing a lot more of the the consistent, hey, I'm going to pick up at least three, four yards on every single carry kind of guy. And and so he, he definitely has taken his game to that next level. He's definitely proven that the whole Wisconsin running backs can't make it in the NFL thing is, is bupkis. Uh, there's just times where guys are just that talented. Yes. He had a great offensive line when he was with Wisconsin. And I think he has a great offensive line now. I mean, the, the chargers offensive line, I think that's the unit that has impressed me the most. They've given up fourth fewest sacks this year. Uh, Just the, the entire unit, Mike Pouncey, they got him there at center. He's really solidified this offensive line. And then you even have a guy, Michael Schofield. Oh my goodness. Blast from the back. But move there to, to right guard, playing at a high level for him. Dan Feeney has really stepped up, loved him when he was in the draft. Of course, Russell Kung was with the Broncos. And I, I, I'm going to stop you here for a second because I feel like he got a really bad rep from the Broncos when he was here because Trevor Simeon has the pocket awareness of Helen Keller, for God's sake. Like I thought Russell, Russell Kung played at at least – and above average tackle level when he was here and the solid run blocker as well. And I get why the Broncos did not keep him. You know, that was a big, big thing because of that contract and his injury history, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like he was improperly pooped on by the fan base when he had, I mean, who was his left guard next? Was it Max Garcia? Garbage. Yep. Trevor Simeon, Helen Keller back there. Bad. <laughs> uh, was it, who was the offensive coordinator then? I can't even, I don't even remember. Was it Rick Dennison? It had to have been. Yeah, I think so. But just, I Russell Kung is not an elite left tackle. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's Tyron Smith, Trent Williams, Taylor Luan, but he is probably a top 15 tackle in the NFL. At least he has been since he went over to San, or the Los Angeles Chargers. So just had to step on that for a second. Uh, I always felt like he was given the, the raw end by the fans. And right. people who were not really, they were focusing on the result rather than the equation that went into it. Right. So there this, we go. You know, I, I agree. I mean, you look at stats of, you and I talk all the time on this show of the, the relationship between quarterback and offensive line when it comes to sacks and hurries and all those kind of things. 
And I mean, we've ad nauseum just talked about Trevor Simeon and how terrible he was. Uh, my, my boy, Paxton Lynch, how terrible he was as well of just not helping the offensive line at all. And I agree with you, Russell Kung. I mean, look at him now. He has a, has a great quarterback, a top five quarterback in the NFL, and he looks like a great left tackle. Wow. What, how did the, how does that happen? He didn't all of a sudden become good. He's still the same guy. It's just, you get more talent around you and you especially get a quarterback that knows how to manipulate a pocket and boom, they look much better. I mean, Peyton Manning, he was the, one of the best. I, I, I might say Tom Brady's actually a little bit better at manipulating a pocket, but, but those two, I mean, they, they always knew just take this little step and it helps the offensive line. And so, yeah, I, I think right now their offensive line has been playing like a top 10 unit in the NFL They've really taken that next step. Uh, I just, like I said, I've been very impressed with them. There's plays where Philip Rivers just had all day to throw. And there was plays where, especially I watched the Seahawks game, since that was the most recent one. And like the, the Seahawks would blitz and the offensive line was just perfect at picking it up, knew exactly what they were doing. Seemed like the the noise of, of Seattle didn't bother them one bit. And, and so again, it's just, it's a very good unit. And, and the Broncos, if they're going to win this game, are going to have to beat a good unit. Yeah, they've been pretty solid. I mean, Sam Tevy over their right tackle, Joe Barksdale, and both of them have gotten some reps there. And I'm sad that your boy Forrest Lamperley hasn't been given a chance. Dan Feeney's beaten him out. What do you think? What do you say about that? Ah, that hurts. That He's one coming hurts. off that ACL, so like, it's, it's understandable. But right. I remember he was your boy. I was Cam Robinson. <laughs> you were Forrest Lamp. And in the end, we probably should have been Ryan Ramchek, although again, there's it's again you're looking at the result rather than the equation. Right. Is, is there a better team to be playing tackle or offensive line for than the Saints right now? Debatable. I, do you think they're going to move him over to left tackle now that uh, Taron Armstead's going to be out for a bit? I don't think so. Probably not. Yeah. I, I always I, I never really understood that too much. Yeah. I mean, why all of a sudden have to replace two starters instead of just one? Yeah keep the consistency going and then just help out the new guy that's been moved in. Yeah. That would be my way of doing it. I, I agree completely. So just wanted to, just wanted to check in on your take there. And we hardly even talked about these, the past weapons so much, but Keenan Allen, I mean, he, I don't know if you saw the play it was two weeks ago, but he did a, a route where literally he sent that cornerback into the shadow zone. You know what I'm talking about? This cornerback like did not know who, what his name was when he was yeah. looking for Keenan Allen. Cause he got juked so bad in the route. Yep, he is he is a great route runner, very underrated wide receiver. Hasn't always been able to stay healthy, but the last couple of years has actually stayed healthy and looks like a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, he's the perfect example of the athletic testing doesn't really matter. I mean, obviously it does it does matter, but it's not the end all be all. If you can get open and you can run routes well and you show good hands, you're going to be a valuable wide receiver in this league. And that's, I mean, that's Keenan Allen. He fell to the third round, I believe it was. And he not the best athlete never has been, but that dude puts on a clinic each week as a route runner. So it's, he's a very good player, very underrated. And then you also got Tyrell Williams, who is a burner who I think the chargers almost beat the chiefs week one. If Tyrell Williams didn't drop, I believe it was like two touchdown passes. Mm -hmm. It was something ridiculous. I mean, he's a talented guy. You give a good burner, but inconsistent hands. And then you got Mike Williams as well. Who's really starting to kind of come into his own as that a good X receiver, you know, big size down the field strider, kind of a poor man's Mike Evans, I think is probably how it comes out in the end. And also 
a guy who likes to battle as well. I mean, not a bad blocker that you have to have that kind of guy when you're going to be using a running back, like in the past game, like the chargers do. And then also you got to look at the tight ends really unfortunate for the chargers, but they lost Hunter Henry before the season even started. I mean, I can't even imagine how good this team would be if they had Hunter Henry on that side of the ball, because he's one of the best emerging young tight ends in football, but instead they got the old guys, Virgil green and Antonio Gates, who are more, they're more used as inline blockers. Although, you know, they'll, Philip Rivers is going to utilize in the past game, but it's a, it's a pretty good offense. And obviously when you have a good quarterback like Philip Rivers and weapons, like they have the guy that they can run the system through in Gordon and an offensive line that's playing well together, you're going to put up points. Yeah. It's, it's one of the more balanced offenses in all of football. I love that. I love how they use that running back. And it's not just, you know, the running back, it needs to evolve from just a, a running position. It's if you're using these guys to their full potential, you're figuring out how to use them in the past game as well. So, I mean, again, I'm not paying running back big money because those guys get a lot of touches, a lot of tough touches as well. But if you can figure out how to run an offense through them as far as them in the past game as well, it can really open up a lot. So it's it's a pretty good offense, and Phillip Rivers and Gordon are definitely some guys to watch out for. But now moving over to the defense, and it's uh, it was reported that Joey Bosa is about to begin practicing with the team again, but it sounds doubtful that he will be playing this week. Even if he was, it'd probably be a limited snap count. But, man, this... I think Joey Bosa is probably the most valuable player on this team as far as if you're drafting one to start a team right now out of this whole roster, you're probably taking Joey Bosa first. And he hasn't even played a snap for them this year, and they're 7-2. and two. I mean, that, that, is, that is horrifying. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's surprising how well they've been able to do without him on the field. Even Melvin Ingram, I have been so impressed with how they move him around. He's underrated as heck. Yeah, it, it, he... He kind of reminded me of what the Texans like to do with uh, uh, what's Merciless or Clowny? Clowny. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm my, my mind's a little clouded from all the medication I've been taking, but, but no, Melvin Ingram, I, I saw him going up against a guard there against in Seattle's game uh, quite a few times. They're, they're trying to find good matchups for him and he's been able to take advantage of it. It's, it's been a lot of fun to, to see how they're doing that and, and trying to scheme without Joey Bosa. I think when you get a guy like Joey Bosa and you have Melvin Ingram on the other side, it's just like, Oh, just leave them there and just let them go do their thing. And it, you almost get lazy as a coordinator. It was kind of like Del Rio in 2014. You got Ware on one side, Von Miller on the other side. You got these great corners on, on the outside. You got great safeties. You got all these great playmakers. Well, he just got lazy as a, a play caller. Yeah. I mean, it, just, it got very, very simple. I think that they've been doing a great job utilizing the talent that they have. Derwin James. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, he's so good. How uh, did he fall to 17? I'm just, I, every- oh, that's, that's uh yeah, that's unheard of. It's unbelievable. I mean, I guess we're seeing now coming off that ACL, he's a little bit slow coming back last year, but, and everybody's like, Oh, those Florida state. They're not very good. The defense is kind of chaotic, et cetera, et cetera. Look how bad Florida state is this year. Derwin yep. James was Florida state last year. Yep, exactly. I mean, and, and the Chargers, again, they're using him all over the field. They're, they just know this guy's the playmaker. Let's get him after the quarterback. Let's have him drop back in coverage. We'll play man coverage, zone coverage. He'll come up, help in the run game. He's just that all-around safety that can do everything that you want from him. And yeah. it, it's it, it's sad to watch as a Bronco fan because now I know we're going to be going against this guy for the next 10-plus years. Yeah, And then you add in, they got two young pass rushers and Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. I mean, this is going to be a defense that has some, some great playmakers moving forward. 
And then you add in, they have Desmond King, who's been looking really good as a, as a second year guy. Casey Hayward's pretty good there at cornerback as well. He's had a little bit of a down year compared to years past, but they just, they got talent in this, this defense. Every single level seems to have talent somewhere in there. And while they're not the, the best defense in football, again, this is very good complimentary football. If I'm looking at a roster and I'm saying offense, defense, and everything that, that they bring to the table, this is one of the most balanced teams on both sides of the ball. And, and this is why they can make a huge run in, in the playoffs because they can get after the quarterback. They can stop the run decently. I mean, they're not great at it but they're, they're decent at it. They got guys that can cover some of the top guys in the league. They have playmakers on the offense. I mean, it's just, again, this is a very good roster. The, the one area that I'm sitting here saying, oh my gosh, this team could really fall is, and this continues to be a problem for the, the Chargers, kicker. Yeah. Every year it seems like their kicker just blows them like two or three games. Hey, don't insult the last, can you name the last great kicker the Chargers had? And I'm going to use great for the word <laughs> i can't think of one nate kading iowa hawkeye legend nate kading <laughs> dude is dude is the man absolutely great guy i've met him a couple times actually in iowa city he owns a number of restaurants and stuff and he came back to iowa to get his master's in business degree after he's done with the football and he's he's a great guy and a avid craft beer fan so nate kading he's the man sorry just had to had to throw it out there he was he was an all-american i think two years back and back in the day so Pretty good player. Anyway, the kicker, garbage. Yep, you're right. Yeah. I, I think they missed, what, two extra points and a couple field goals this last game? Yeah. And, I mean, they still won. But you think about those kind of points, those can catch up to you real quick. That, that's how you lose those close games, especially when you get to the playoffs. But, yeah. again, this is just this is a very good roster. They're very underrated. They're finally starting to get some national attention. They should be. I mean, the, I think the – the rule for the wildcard teams can't play a home game is stupid because if you went completely by record right now, the chargers and the chiefs would have first round buys and they should, I think they should. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I agree. And I I think this goes to show also the Broncos schedule this year for being a fourth place schedule. It has not been easy by, by any means. Uh, They they played some of the very, very top teams in the league. And I'd say maybe three of the top four teams this year. Yeah, the only team, the only great team they didn't play is the Saints. Yeah, the Saints is the only one that I was thinking they haven't played. But beyond that, I would put Chargers, Chiefs, and and Rams in there. And the Steelers are red hot right now, and they're coming to town oh next boy. week. Yeah, so, so <laughs> the schedule is every week. It's yeah. another tough, tough team, and and this is at Chargers for the Broncos trying to look to try to get back on task and. And coming off a bye, you kind of think, okay, maybe they got a chance. Uh, <laughs> they already lost. The Broncos already lost the games that they needed to win to be relevant this season. Yep. You can't go and make stupid penalties on the road at the Ravens. That's kind of one of those 500-ish teams that you have to go and win if you're going to be a contender. You can't go to the New York Jets and get absolutely crap-stomped by them, giving up 200 yards, and you can't blow – the games against Kansas city and Houston at home and want to be, you know, a team, not only forget about the AFC West, but contending for a playoff spot. Right. So it's, it's just, it's too little too late at this point. Maybe they get on a run, go seven and zero, but I really doubt it. Yeah. The, the likelihood of that is, is pretty low. Now it's like you, we've talked about already. It's about learning for next season. Yeah. And 
some of these difficult games like this, you can learn a lot about your team. Where's some strengths? Where's some guys stepping up? And and kind of see what you can build for next year. But Okay, I got to interrupt you here. We're talking about playing the best teams, right? I pulled up DVOA, and I'll just quiz you right now. I don't know if you already have gotten a chance to look at it this week. But the number one team for DVOA, can you guess? Rams? Close. Uh, Chargers? No, not the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Chiefs. Yep, they they have a big rank, a uh, big bump because I think DVOA uses a big uh, weight, a bigger weight than they probably should. It does matter, but for special teams, and the Chiefs have a great special teams. Right. Number two team, Rams. Number three team, is it the Chargers? Chargers and the number four team, Saints. It's actually the Bears, and then the five is the Steelers. So, wow. yikes! Really rough, and the Broncos still have. Three games left against the Chargers and the Steelers. So, uh, as you like to quote, taken, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, but anyway, yeah, back to the defense. Melvin Ingram's great. Joey Bosa, once he comes back, I mean, gosh, talk about adding a top 10 edge rusher to a team. What a difference that can make down the stretch. Derwin James is my pick for a defensive player or defensive rookie of the year. I think just because of his versatility, I think he's got just an incredible impact overall. And then another guy that I'd like to point out, I'm uh, talking about these cornerbacks, two guys actually, Casey Hayward playing at a very high level. And then according to Pro Football Focus, Desmond King is the best cornerback in football this season. So he's also a very dynamic uh, kick and punt returner, and he's got great ball skills. He's, he's not really fast enough, long enough to be a true boundary corner. But man, that kid plays smart. He plays great technique. He tackles like a maniac, and he's playing great football and poo-poo to anybody who thought you know that speed was going to be a big detriment for him he should have been a second round pick and he fell to the fifth round along with george kittle and now two of the best players in the nfl at their position so go hawks <laughs> well and i think the chargers are a great showing of <clears throat> of how little combine stats really matter i mean joey bosa wasn't the greatest tester in the world his three cone was elite though right I, I, but i'm saying you're, you're looking at all of them and you're sitting here saying eh, he's not exactly the the most perfect guy Keenan Allen, again, guy that didn't test well. Derwin, never mind. Derwin James tested really well, but Desmond King, like you said, and it just shows sometimes what you show on the football field outweighs just being a great athlete. Too many teams and and too many fans get focused on the the stats of what these guys can do in the combine and go, oh my gosh, if we get this guy and turn him into a football player. But that that big if, how often does an athlete turn into a football player? Not not as often as you'd like to think. I mean, look at the 2017 draft to the 2018 draft. You're drafting football players. Yep. Not athletes. But yeah, I can't I can't disagree. So, but all right, yeah, going on to the I'll let you do this since you're the, the guy who did the, the research here, but the team stats. All right. Well, we'll, we'll just kind of go through these pretty quick. We've talked about some of them already, but total offense, uh, the Chargers are eighth, tenth in points per game at 26.7, tied for first in yards per play. 6.9, again, just showing how explosive that offense is. 27th in the NFL, though, on third down. That, that one really shocked me. 7th in yards per game. Uh, rushing yards, sorry. Rushing yards per game. 3rd in yards per carry. 13th in pass yards per game. 3rd in quarterback rating. And like I said earlier, allowed the 4th fewest sacks in the NFL with only 13 allowed so far. And then 14th in yards allowed per game. This is switched over to the defense at 356.6. Eighth in points allowed per game, 20.7. 14th in yards allowed per game, 5.6. 23 or 23rd in stopping third downs, 
They're giving up third downs on 42%, 17, 17th in passing guards allowed, ninth in the NFL in sacks, ninth in the NFL in quarterback rating allowed. And they have allowed the eighth most explosive plays with 36 so far this year. This is one thing that AFC West is just terrible about giving up explosive plays. Now, part of that is that they got explosive offenses that that take advantage of each other and, and just keep putting up big big numbers against each other. But again, they that is one area the Broncos maybe could take a little bit advantage of is is getting some some big plays down the field. Yeah. The Broncos have actually done a pretty good job after the Ravens game and the, the first few weeks stopping those big plays, but you know, and the Raiders being around is a big reason that the big explosive plays are happening, but it's something that's a big, a big part and you got to limit it. And right now we don't really have the free safety to do that. So got to watch for that. All right. Well, just looking at some interesting stats now. Yes. Uh, these, these are big ones to kind of keep an eye on. Chargers have, have been the third best team. We just talked about this of what they've given up third best team in explosive plays. That's rushes that go for 15 plus yards or passes that go for 20 plus yards. They have 62 on the season. Whew. And they're only behind the chiefs and the Rams who knew <laughs> rivers is second best in the quarter uh, at the quarterback position in play action. According to passer rating he has 143.1 rating. And then they are seventh best best in rush yards after contact at 491. Tied for first in yards per carry on first down at 5.8. Broncos are fourth at 5.6. Fourth best yards after catch in league behind only the 49ers, Chiefs, and Steelers at 6.5. And then under center rushing for Gordon, he is third best in the NFL at 518 yards and 5.5 yards per carry. Finally, ninth best defense versus pass for quarterback rating. I already talked about that, giving up 89 quarterback rating. I mean, those are some... Some very interesting stats of when you're looking at how are you going to stop this team, these are the things that you need to look at. Yeah, and it points to just how good Rivers and Gordon are. So it's uh, they're a good team. I mean, you don't get to seven and two by accident. You know, looking at some of their past games, they've been close, but I feel like they've been getting better as the season has gone on. And they do really miss Hunter Henry over the middle because Philip Rivers loves that tight end. I mean, look at Antonio Gates, Philip and Rivers, and Antonio Gates, probably the best quarterback to tight end duo in NFL history as far as statistically and longevity. But man, that's a, it's a good team. So we're going to be moving on now to key matchups and number one for me at this game. And it's obviously, I like to look at the trenches. That's a big, that's probably, I wouldn't say it's my, it's my calling card. I would say Broncos memes are my calling card. But as far as, you know, kind of a brand, I'm not calling card brand, but trenches is a big one. And for me, Garrett Bowles versus Melvin Ingram, they do like to move him around, but he mostly played, he mostly has played over there. Joe's Joey Bosa on the other side when he's healthy, but Melvin Ingram versus Garrett Bowles, man, it just, I know Garrett Bowles is at his up and down season, but having to go against the likes of like coming up here, but yeah, Miles Garrett and you just came off of Jadavian Clowney and now you got Melvin Ingram. Life is hard to be a tackle right now. I mean, it's there's a lot of good edge rushers out there. Yeah, that's the the one. I, I don't see them moving Ingram around a whole lot because they will be trying to challenge Bulls. And it's, I mean, that makes sense. He's not done great this year. He gets a lot of holding calls, which Melvin Ingram is very, very explosive and can get around the corner in a hurry. But number two, we have Musgrave versus Derwin James. The, there's those guys on the field that every play, you need to know exactly where they are. And even though he's a rookie, he's already gotten that kind of respect, I would say. 
You just need to know, is he coming up for a blitz? And then guys need to be calling out that kind of thing. How do you game plan around a guy that can be all over the field at any time? And it's just going to be one of those. I'm interested to hear what you have to say when we get to the coach's corner of how the Broncos are going to game plan this game. Because again, when you got playmakers like Melvin Ingram, Derwin James, and you can put them pretty much anywhere on the field. I, I just, uh, it's going to be interesting to hear that for sure. Yeah. And again, talking about Derwin James, I had this earlier, but I wanted to save it for when we talk about him versus Musgrave. And it is just highlighting Derwin James versatility back there. Um, this is before the game against the Raiders. I don't have the count after the Raiders game, but it is his positional snap count. According to pro football focus again, before the Raiders game, majority of his, his snaps this season have come at free safety 172 with 150 at box safety. So they're moving him, you know, single high to cover two back there. Um, they're also coming in and having him play box. Then he has 59 snaps at cornerback, nickel cornerback, nine snaps at outside cornerback. So the, that lone guy, which I, th- I would surprise they don't use him more out there because he's a good enough athlete to do that. And if they were a team like Seattle using that length and cover three stuff, I think they'd use him more there. But again, this, that's, gosh, it's 68 total snaps as a cornerback, both nickel and outside. And then 57 snaps lined up according to pro football focus as defensive line, not, you know, he's not playing no tackle. He's out there as an edge rusher, but you know, two point stance kind of he's rushing where Von Miller rushes from and his pass rushing efficiency from there this year is otherworldly. I mean, he's getting after the quarterback like crazy. So just, I mean, I don't even know what to say. An ultimate defensive chess piece, just a playmaker back there. So yeah, you got to watch out for number 33 because he will wreck you. Now, moving on, another big one. I, I'm guessing this is going to be the main matchup for the Broncos as far as it pertains to cornerback versus wide receiver. But Chris Harris Jr. versus Keenan Allen, two guys that are pros, pros, you know, one of the best technical cornerbacks versus one of the best technical wide receivers. And a matchup for those people who like those flashy players out there on the edge to watch them. That's one to definitely keep your eye on. And if Chris Harris Jr. can at least, you know, keep Keenan Allen from beating him consistently underneath, you know, stop keeping close on him and some third downs. Broncos got a chance to get after Phillip Rivers because they do have a good pass rush. But Keenan Allen versus Chris Harris Jr., I mean, that's a that's a clinic. Definitely. I mean, the the one thing I saw with with Phillip Rivers, like, like you said, if you can get pressure, I mean, and this is any quarterback out there, but he he doesn't have the arm that if he has pressure in his face that he can really make those pinpoint throws. He he one hops a lot of throws when when he has to throw off his back leg. So it, it's definitely going to be big on holding. Keenan Allen, he's so good at getting open in a hurry. I mean, it, it's – I don't know how to describe it. I i really respect him as a route runner. There, there's very few other wide receivers that I think are better route runners than him. I, I, I might put him in my top two, three guys there for sure. So Chris Harris Jr., this is one of his toughest matchups of the season, I think. Just it's strength on strength for sure with these two guys. And I'm excited to watch that one, but it's also going to be interesting. Then the other cornerbacks, I mean, the Broncos might leave Chris Harris on an Island and say our other quarterbacks have to, to step up. And you got Tyrell Williams, who's the, the burner. And do you really want to put Bradley Roby on that? I mean, what options do you have? That's true. I mean, Bradley Roby is the one guy that has the speed to keep up, but he's also but, the guy who's always burnt. <laughs> it's true. That's the, uh, I, I don't get it. I thought that would be like his one big strength that he'd have for sure. But it, he just, 
he gets outplayed. He, he just gets lazy. There, there's a lot of things that play into that that we could talk about. Technique wise, he gets pretty out there. I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of like I said, there's a lot of things that go wrong there. But going to be very interesting to watch that kind of matchup. And of course, you got Mike Williams, got Travis Benjamin as well. But uh, who's going to match up with with Mike Williams? He's kind of been a nice little third option for him there. And it's just, it is, it's a very tough offense to defend all the different weapons. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's rough. Luckily they don't have Hunter Henry because we know how the Broncos have been against tight ends. So we'll take it. And then finally Melvin Gordon, you know, this, this game, we talked about the earlier in the interesting stats, the yak is a big part of that. And a big part of that is Melvin Gordon. So you really got to keep a guy in there on him. I'm going to be really looking at Cravens this week. It's probably, probably the most important game for him in his Broncos. Oh, granted it's only two, but like, that's the guy who, on paper to me is the guy who needs to really step up as far as Melvin Gordon in the past game. Uh, I do have faith and more and more faith in Josie Jewel as a run player, run defender. And Todd Davis has been a good run defender all season. So between the tackles, I think they got some, some ability to at least gum up the lanes and make plays to the line of scrimmage, you know, limit the big runs there, but it's you know Eckler as well, but go Gordon in the past game is somebody that you really, you really got to watch, watch out for him. And like I said, it's kind of like how the Rams use Gurley, you know, the offense, runs through Gordon and, and Eckler, but it's runs through that running back position, not just as a runner, but as a passer pass catcher as well. So got to watch out for that. All right. Well, we are getting a little long here, so we're going to move it along to the coaching corner and pretty much I have the Broncos offense and the versus the Chargers defense this week. And I'm not going to make it be too long here. I'm going to keep it simple. Broncos need to isolate these Chargers linebackers as best as possible. If there's anywhere where the Chargers are weak, it's the linebackers. I mean, Denzel Perryman just went on the injured reserve for the season. Other than them, they have Kyle Emanuel and Jatavis Brown. And those guys don't play a huge amount of snaps for them. Uh, but Denzel Perryman was their number one linebacker uh, before going on IR. As far as snap percentage counts, he was a 64.66%. The next highest linebacker snap count for them was Jatavis Brown with 48, 48.24. And then Kyle Emanuel was all the way down at 23.95. So really going to be interesting to see how these linebackers play for the Chargers and I'm attacking them. So what does that mean? I'm using Philip Lindsay more in the running game than I have or in the past game than I have all season. I'm going to run some screens. I'm going to get these linebackers isolated as best as possible. And I'm also, I'm going to be using Jeff Hireman, you know, coming off his best game of his career. You got to be able to work that field there. And obviously, you know, we, I don't want to be a broken record, but better run game, you know, running between the tackles, keeping them in base as much as possible, attack them where they're weak, which is linebacker, and then hopefully play action off of that. So we'll, we'll see if Musgrave is willing to do that. There you go. All right. Well, I have the, the Broncos D against the Chargers, though, of course, and it, it really does come down to, we, we've already talked about it so much, but stopping Melvin Gordon. I mean, he, he's the guy that makes, makes or breaks this offense. Uh, I said earlier that Rivers, uh, 32% of his passes that he's completed have been to running backs. So they like to run a lot of screens. They like to do a lot of that short passing game, get the ball out of River's hand in a hurry, all those kind of things to to, to limit the, the pass rush of getting after Rivers. And, and so for me, it, it's going to have to – this game really comes down to the cornerbacks for me in the sense that I'm going to have to leave them a lot more on an island and, and trust that they're going to be able to do their job so that I can – really focus on stopping the run, getting maybe an extra guy in the box if that's what's needed. And then making sure that either Sua Cravens or somebody's going out there with Melvin Gordon on every single play because you leave that guy one on one or you, you don't you forget about that guy coming out of the backfield, he's gone. 
I mean, he's got the athleticism to, to take any kind of five-yard pass, zero-yard pass, and turn it into a touchdown. So I got to make sure that they beat you any other way than Melvin Gordon in this game. And then pass rush-wise, I'm just letting my guys go out there and, and do what they do best because I, I do trust Von Miller and Bradley Chubb to go and win their matchups and and make some plays, get some guys up the middle going. Uh, there's just I, I think that's but Philip Rivers has been in the league too long that getting after him with the blitz and things like that, it just it doesn't always work very well. Have a few blitzes in there, of course. I mean, you can't have a game where you blitz zero times, but pick your pick your moments. Because again, if they are looking for those screen passes and those quick flips to the running back, they are hoping that you blitz against them. They are hoping that you bring extra guys. And so their running back only has a one-on-one and then he's gone. I mean, so I'm kind of sitting back a little bit and, and let my guys go make some plays and saying, Hey, uh, we're paying you a lot of money. Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, your top five pick, go do your job. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So hopefully the pass rush can get after him. And that, I mean, the Broncos, it's surprising. You know, they're one of the more blitz heavy teams this season. And you brought up the point where he's an older guy that um, he's, uh, you know, seeing the blitzes, he can handle that. But again, as I mentioned earlier, Tom Brady is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL as far as it pertains to a pass rusher, a passer rating against the blitz. So it's a big part of the game and they got to be able to get after Phillip Rivers, frustrate him and contain Melvin Gordon. So I'm with you 110% there. Now, we're just about to get out of here, but before we do, let us tell you about why you need to become a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber. Mile High Huddle's approach to covering the Broncos isn't just about reporting the news, although we do pride ourselves on being able to relay you all of the breaking news as it's happening in real time. But what we like to focus on is breaking down the Broncos from an in-depth perspective, from all 22 film reviews, player evaluations, X's and O's, and now the draft coming up because the Broncos are in 3-6. and six. We save our best and most in-depth content for our premium members, the VIP subscribers. To become a Mile High Huddle VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis and the VIP Insider Forums, just click on the green banner at the top of the website, click the monthly or annual option, and you'll be locked in. From there, you get access to everything that we produce, which includes any insider information we pick up along the way. We work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the internet. We ask you for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. Pull the trigger and you have my word, you will not be disappointed. All right, Carl. Well, like I said, we are running long here, so I'm not going to take too long. But my prediction this week, I got the Broncos losing 24 to 20. I think that the Chargers are too talented. It's going to be a rough game for them. And it's going to be close. I mean, the defense is there and they're better than they were last season. But Chargers are just too much for them in the end. 24 to 20 Broncos or 24 to 20 Chargers. There you go. I I had it a one score game as well with Chargers winning 27-21 and it just again it, it's such a, a balanced team that I think there's just if something's not working they're just going to switch it up to the other and and I think the Broncos you can hear the frustration in a lot of players when and what they're saying in their interviews and stuff and I just think if the Chargers can score early this game could get a little out of hand. Yeah, I cannot disagree at all. It's, I mean, last year it got out of hand pretty quickly, so we'll see what happens. But that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dummler, MHH and myself at Nick Kendall, MHH. Also, make sure you head over to Mile High Huddle, a new affiliate of 24-7 Sports and the CBS Sports Digital to find ours and our co-writers' articles and all things that pertain to you. 
your Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. We aren't just here to bring you the news, but an in-depth analysis each week from team building, game planning, and 365 days of covering the Denver Broncos. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at BTB Bronco Pod. That's BTB Bronco Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.